get icy in two days. I load up my weapon to fire my candle. I will believe everywhere for all eyes to see. You're beautiful, beautiful. I see the set where you belong to me. So please, no intruders. I kill all intruders. Cause my love is ruthless. So please, no intruders. And we're back on another live episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Guide Life B2B. I'm sorry, I said Guide Life. Guide Live B2B Jam Session with your one and only Tim Salau, Mr. Future of Work. You were just listening to, I believe, one of the hottest songs out there right now, Intruders by Jesse Reyes. She is amazing. Go check her out. And I'm actually mixing it up and trying something new on this episode, who I have, by chance, my lovely, lovely friend, Nate Johannes, who's on this episode with me. Man, this guy is brilliant. He's a good friend of mine, who happens to be one of the leading product leaders with Microsoft. Nate is a principal product leader focusing on artificial intelligence as a direct report to head of AI perception product management at Microsoft AI. Shout out to my alma mater, Microsoft. Man, I love that company. <laughs> I love that company. And more importantly, I love Microsoft AI, which is a great division to be in. Prior to Microsoft AI, Mr. Johannes was appointed by the White House to serve in President Obama himself's administration as the senior advisor, the chief investment and innovation officer, the U.S. Small Business Administration. As a senior advisor, Mr. Johannes assisted with the managing the Small Business Investment Company, a $25 billion, $25 billion, not million, not not thousand, $25 billion private equity, private equity venture fund and the SBIR program, a $2.5 billion per year grant for high growth businesses engaged in federal R&D. That was the potential for commercialization. So this guy has really worked across the public sector, the private sector. And one of the things I love about Nate is that he understands technology from a few perspectives, not only from the private sector perspective, but also the public sector perspective, as well as what we should be doing to make it more accessible. And even especially in times that we're living in right now, what people in the technology industry, as well as companies can do to make sure that we're building a future that we want to see. So I'm really going to dive deep on him, a little bit about his background, a lot of the things that inspired him and why he does what he does. And more importantly, you know, some of his thoughts of what's going on right now in terms of how technology and I think public policy are merging in a really powerful way, as well as what Microsoft is doing to really lead this momentum. With that said, Nate, 
thank you so much for joining us, my brother. How you doing, man? Well, well, first, you know, that music is way better than me talking. <laughs> I, I don't know if folks want to hear me talk, but that was some good music. I, I'm, I'm awesome, you know. Uh, oh, let me go ahead. My, I didn't even know it was, that was so loud, man. Let me go ahead and put that down, man. <laughs> Listen, bro. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I feel like I'm like I said, I'm talking to Charlemagne the God right now. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, a little DJ going on right now. But I, I'm awesome. You know, certainly making the best of, um, you know, these, these super challenging times. I think that that we're all facing some more than others, but certainly that we're all facing. But uh, as I always say, you know. I don't have too much influence on the rules of the game, but but you know we got to win the game. So you got to be agile. You got to figure out how you're gonna uh, fight through this chapter in our history. Uh, it's a different rule set than it was, you know, uh, uh, before the new year. We uh, many of the folks are probably watching. So I was in Ghana with uh, uh, for for the the year of the return, and, and we're with the Afrochella, uh, and, and then you know coming back uh, about two months later, uh, the world shuts down. So yeah. at least I got my. Uh, <laughs> and it's yeah, in Africa, and so you know, I, I feel like uh, it was a good timing to make those subjects. But I'm well, and thank you, thank you, thank you for hosting me. Oh, of course, man, of course, man. You know, well, you're tuning in from Seattle, right? You're in the big, the, the, the <laughs> here in Seattle, the other Washington, <laughs> the other Washington, man. We'd love oh, to have you share with us a little bit more about you know how long you've been doing the work that you do, you know, as a product leader, because you had you've had a really dynamic and layered background, man. So you know. What, what's, what where does it stem from in terms of you usually you, you formerly were working in kind of like the public sector and then you pivoted into working really in the private sector with Microsoft but when did that passion for technology where did that start from man well you, you know I, I would say a couple of things uh the first is um you know growing up you know my background uh, um growing up in a house we were from East Africa or from Eritrea shout out to you know, uh, my and, and then we're going to double click down to my uh, East Africans and typical <laughs> Eritreans, uh, uh, the few and the proud. Um, you know, coming, my family coming to the United States, uh, what, what I knew, what we knew uh, was the journey of coming to the U.S. And so being a refugee, child of refugees and being in a household and understanding that journey uh, led me to become actually a lawyer. So, so I spent a lot of time in law school uh, studying uh, um, public policy, international human rights, um, received a Barbara Tam Thomas Wolf Fellow for human rights. And so and in my educational background has been is in history and uh, uh, in international uh, uh, law and, and, and really focusing a lot on, on public policy and immigration. So uh, that did morph into me going to D.C. after law school to becoming a regulatory attorney. So I ended up actually, ironically speaking, um, becoming a regulatory attorney, representing the financial services during uh, the, the time of the financial crisis or the regulatory reform of it. Mm. So I moved out of D.C. Right in, in 2012 when Congress and uh, the, the, uh, the, the federal agencies were trying to figure out how we're going to regulate Wall Street. There was a massive recession that happened. Terrible actors caused terrible things. And, and what are the rules around it? And so I was working with the industry and also working with uh, uh, legislators and and, and, uh, and policymakers on that journey around it, that that, that median, which did turn into uh, eventually uh, an appointment in President Obama's administration. And, and that was a journey of itself. And that's where I got exposure to technology. So, you know, I was, as I tell folks, and it's actually one of my like critical pieces, like never to negotiate against yourself. I was negotiating against myself because I was never a strong math student and a science student. Therefore, no. I shunned away from 
uh, uh, technology uh, because I was assuming that I didn't have the you know the the full point know-how exactly. Therefore, that there wasn't a home for me, and uh, uh, and that's out of the aisle. Um, and of course, I was incorrect. Uh, certainly, was incorrect. In fact, you know, um, I now work for the chief technology officer of Microsoft. So, so, so a lot of the bio that you read um, as of about a week and a half, about two weeks ago, actually, I'm now in the office of CTO. I'm driving strategy as a technical advisor, strategy. But you know, my journey from policy to technology uh, um, after the Obama administration ended up at Microsoft doing corp dev business development, doing strategic partnerships and acquisitions in, in the Bay Area, um, and then understanding how technology works and understanding how products work, and then realizing that there is a home even in engineering a product team uh, yeah. for, for non-technical. So, I mean, I understand technology and I've learned it, um, but uh, I'm, I'm you know, certainly uh, leading the strategy on, on, on the future of, of product and how do you ship product. Yeah, and, and especially in a very, very, I think, uh, emerging industries such as AI, right? Which Microsoft has been really been prominent and focused on. And, you know, and there's a lot of conversation right now, right? AI, data ethics, how does that affect us as a society, as a humanity? And how are we thinking about ethical products? You know, would love to get your thoughts, Nate, and a lot of the work that you're doing with Microsoft. You know, for you personally as a leader, you know, what do you think we need to start being more mindful of um, as we can kind of build for this new world uh, where AI, data, is going to act as electricity, but also how it affects people who are in marginalized communities who may not understand how the technology works. Yeah, and, and those are great questions and very sensible questions, and, and questions that um, you know our company or Microsoft taking uh, quite seriously. I think that the way that I would answer it would be uh, I'm going to answer it would be two fronts. So first. Um, as the world evolves and starts to understand uh, the potential of artificial intelligence, it's really critical for us to apply it to how are we building product to advance the human's journey, right? Um, you know, let's not focus on building a product to replace jobs. Let's focus on building product that's going to enhance that individual's jobs to make them a more efficient worker, an effective worker, and then create net new markets, hmm. right? Remember, technology built off of each other, hmm. right? If, if it wasn't for the internet, we wouldn't have this digital economy. Hmm. And the digital economy is creating net new markets into the new world, right? Hmm. And so technology just, um, you know, it, uh, it, 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 it steps on the shoulders of, of, of others, and that's how you build upon it, right? Yeah. You know, for example, if it wasn't for Bill Gates really and, and Paul Allen and the, the Microsoft early team democratizing computing with the operating system, then a lot of the applications that are running on the operating system, um, such as search on Google, um, would not become where it is today, right? So it all builds on each other. And, 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 and so this virtuous cycle of, of building upon each other is really imperative. And when you build technology, you know, I think it's really critical for us to think about how do we advance the human's journey so that that next generation of humans can step on our shoulders and get closer to our North Star. Um, and, and, you know, that's the focus of that, that I would take. I take, I take technologies from a very humanistic standpoint, yeah. um, a very lived in experience standpoint. When, you know, are we building products that customers are obsessed with? Mm. Do our products have a purpose? Do they open up a new purpose? Mm. And, uh, you know, those are, those are questions that I ask myself uh, based on either my own personal lived experience as, a, uh, as an African-American in society, um, as somebody who grew up, uh, um, you know, in, in a you know relatively unique 
life circumstance. Uh, certainly had a great household, great parents, but just my own lived experience. And a person, you know, for example, who was never, I wasn't early in my, my journey, I had to relearn my, my, my learning style. So mm-hmm. I wasn't the best student earlier on. I mean, certainly I, I snapped into my own educational learning style that has, you know, been, has led me to a, one would say, a tremendous amount of success. But so thinking about ways that that that, that technology could advance us uh, um, in, in leveraging this type of technology. And so that's the first thing in terms of like AI, what's its purpose? Um, mm. And the purpose should always be to advance humans. Why would we want to defeat ourselves? Yeah, no, I love that, too, man. I think a, a lot of a lot of people don't see the opportunity. I think we often talk about in in the um in, te- in the technology industry, as well as in just in the media, it's often been paid from this very, I think, you know, pessimistic perspective, how AI and automation is affecting the way we work. And the reality is that the opportunity is massive <laughs> for people to build new things. But also, even if you are, you know, someone who doesn't really have access to this space, similar to how you and I have, you know, you can actually completely apply it to your life in a way that where it's it's day to day, it's helping you become more productive, uh, have access to quality education. And there's such a huge opportunity there that we often don't discuss. So, you know, I love what you're saying that how is it, how are we thinking about it from how the technology is building upon each other? Because often, you know, people in tech, they're often thinking about technology just from, for technology's sake. But the humanistic nature is what people really actually buy. That's that's why people buy products, because how does it apply to my human day to day life? Yeah, and, and, and that's right. And spot on. And look, you know, we we, we shouldn't be confused here in, in the sense of, of course, if if folks who have the fortune of working in these technology companies and and have the fortune of looking into these perspectives, um, it's easier to articulate it from from my position because I'm in the belly, quote unquote value of the beast. But when you think about the individual worker uh, in a factory line and and in this community who's whose father or mother's job was sent overseas. That was one generation outsourcing. Mm. And, and then, and then, and then when, when you see a potential threat of automating your job, the concerns are certainly valid, right? A hundred percent. And so, you know, I think it's a way of how do we bridge the gap between mm. these communities? How do we democratize technology between these communities? How do we give folks a shot into these type of roles within these communities? Right. Um, because, um, you know, when, when I when, when I think about uh, uh, folks concern, they're valid, especially if you're not within the belly of the beast. Like like mm-hmm. I have a different living experience than than uh, than I than than even my own parents who I have to articulate and try to, ex- you know, certainly explain to them, you know, what I'm working on and how they are. <laughs> <laughs> advance, you know, yeah. the human journey, right? Because yeah. I was thinking, is this Minority Report? Is Terminator? <laughs> like, like, you know, it, it, like, it, what it, are you doing, Nate? Technologists aren't helping because when you go to trade shows, like the CES, is robots talking to you and dry you delivering you coffee? It, it's not like we're helping each other out here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so no, that's a, that's amazing, man. You know, we'd love for you to share. You know, who have been some of the leaders for you in your career that really inspired you to continue? Kind of, you know, because you also take this re- really powerful stance, even in a lot of the work that you share, all LinkedIn, and how you approach your your work in saying that you know, one, we should have a human uh, a humanistic lens on AI and technology, but also how does it apply to 
everyone's day-to-day life in the public sector, right? Like to government and given your background. So who have been some of the leaders for you in your career that really inspired you to kind of like take that stance and kind of, I think, educate the masses on where we're moving as a, as a technology industry? So, so I, the way that I look at it is, is that there's, there's two perspectives. You have the people in my life who offer, who have uh, honed my platform mm. um, in, in the sense of, um, you know, I came from uh, uh, great parenting. Like my parents have, have, have provided an incredible platform and uh, um, their life lessons have always been to, to, to be empathetic. And, uh, you know, uh, um, there's they're, they're something that, that I take true to my heart. Be kind to everyone because everyone's going through something. Hmm. So, you know, those are life lessons that like that, that were just inherently built in because of the journey of my own you know family's journey to the United States of America and, and the folks who have. Uh, help uh, uh, my family along the way uh, um, to to achieve what one would call the American dream. Mm. So 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 that's one aspect of it that I apply to to to, to, to my day to day life, um, even in, in work in technology. So so you know th- those skill sets I've been embedded uh, uh, because of uh, um, you know great great parenting and a good family household. Now, uh, from the perspective of uh, the, the understanding the, the, the quote unquote hard skill sets, um, you know, I fortunately have had a great kitchen cabinet of mentors who, who still continue to, to, to be instrumental uh, uh, in, in my career. Um, you know, one of them being an individual named Mark Walsh. Wow. Um, Mark was, uh, uh, um, you know, he found a company called Vertical Net, uh, took it, and he was my boss in the Obama administration. And he taught me the uh, the art of empowering folks through um, positive reinforcement. Mark's an expert at, at, at getting people rallied up uh, uh, to, to work that extra hour, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he led a technology company uh, and he's, he's very, very successful, but he has the art of uh, uh, um, enthousi- driving enthusiasm into everything he writes and says, right? So it gets mm-hmm. you to do that extra hour. And you know, working for working at, working in the government, you can't write people big bonus checks. So how do you <laughs> right? You can't. So how do you get people to work the extra hours through like you know making sure that the, that the work that they're building is going to have impact and that they feel appreciated for it? And so you know, folks like that. Another individual, Dr. Eric Kane. Um, you know, he's he's, a, he's he's one of the world leading psychiatrists, um, and, and he's been a great, great mentor and understand the power of you know, he's a family friend, one of my dad's close friends uh, of mental health. You know, he, he's one of the world's leading experts actually on suicide. Uh, fortunately, I don't, I don't have that problem, but like just hearing um, a lot of his perspective on uh, on mental health and making sure to, to take uh, take time to, 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 to really uh, recharge uh, and unplug. Um, I think many of us uh, um, are, are are not good at that, including myself. Yeah, um, we need help with that. Guys. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the biggest things that you know. I think that one AI can solve, right? But also that we need to be paying attention to, given what's going currently going on, right? Is that how are we helping? How are we building a new safety net where people have control on how to take care of their mental health and all of these different things? That's right. That's right. And look, I mean, it doesn't help working from home, right? Oh, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, Microsoft put out a work, re- report where people are working more when you work from home, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know, I'll be, I'll be lying to you, Tim, if I didn't say I kind of missed my hour commute to work. It's the only time I didn't check email. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was like, you know, I, I, I was listening to my podcast, listening to maybe some trap music, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some break. 
you know, getting my pretty on on my ride to work. Right? Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, certainly you, you yeah. just it's time for mental health. So anyways, needless to say, there, there's been some great mentors uh, um, that, that that have helped me along the way. And it's really imperative to, to do the same to others, right? So, yeah. Man, I love that, man. We'd love for you to, you know, you share, man, when, when you think about, you know, uh, Microsoft AI and the amazing work that you all are doing, man, we'd love for you to share a little bit about what's next, um, giving the, the unit that you're in and the work that the, 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 um, the, the office of the CTO is leading and how that, you know, how you guys are looking to really shake things up in the AI landscape. So a lot of what I'm working on right now is on um, how we're going to leverage technology for COVID. So mm. that, that, that that has been uh, um, uh, my focus. Uh, and publicly, I, I, we can talk about it now, but Microsoft is a power provider for, uh, for a national rollout um, of COVID-19 applications for, uh, wow. uh, for for tracing. So, you know, folks wow. have the option of uh, opting into downloading applications um, and, and work, work countrywide. It's not led by the federal government, state by state, and, you know, really on contact tracing and also verification and, uh, and making sure that folks, um, you know, that, that we can leverage technology to, 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 to really contain this uh, horrific, horrific virus that has taken away the lives of so many. So, you know, and that is uh, uh, where my lens is, because at times, Tim, you know, you, it's great to work in technology that's going to have an, uh, an incredible impact in three to five years, five to ten years. But sometimes you got to stop and say, what can we employ today that may have an impact on what happened tomorrow or yesterday? Mm. Right. Um, you know, there are some technologies that, that, that we should have had out yesterday and as nothing with Microsoft there's a lot of complexities here in the United States in terms of how we're going to use technology for 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 preventing the spread of COVID-19 if, if masks are a debate just imagine applications on mobile devices right um, and so um, you know really focusing on how can I channel how can we channel that energy um, into looking at deploying a solution that's going to have an immediate impact as soon as possible and COVID is, is really has been a, 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 a area where I've spent majority of my time now. Wow. Um, you know, uh, uh, AI is incredibly important, um, but even, you know, from a, from a technology standpoint, the infrastructure of, a, uh, of, of, a, of an application and contact tracing and verification, um, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's not ultra complex. You know, really, the key is to making sure that you have incredibly great security to protect people, and uh, uh, making sure that their identification is scrubbed as much as humanly possible. But in terms of infrastructure of it, it, it isn't um, you know us trying to um, deploy uh, you know uh, intelligent cameras on vehicles for autonomous cars, right? Uh, um, you know, right now I'm thinking about deploying immediate technology to to tackle a super complicated problem. And the technology itself isn't, uh, like I said, isn't complicated. What's complicated is, uh, is, is how are you going to get folks to buy into this? You know, in the U.S., the culture is that uh, we feel comfortable doing applications that are driven by the power sector, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the fail, um, the, uh, the, 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 the four squares of the world. Um, but it's really hard for us to, to get a buy-in from a culture aspect uh, to, for an application that's driven by the, United, by, by the government, period. The exact opposite in Europe, though. So, yeah, it's true, man. And it's honestly because government applications are designed really bad. 
it's, it's often a weird product experience. But you know what I what I what I love about what you all are doing, and what we love about what you all are doing with Microsoft, and how you all are really kind of, you know, you all have really adapted given the current landscape of how things are are going with COVID nineteen, and have have, have really come to arm business leaders. And I think so many people in the public sector was, hey, we have solutions that we can offer you all to really help you pivot your city, your <laughs> your government system, all of that. And I think what's so powerful is like right now we're seeing the power that one technology companies such as Microsoft have in helping and supporting being of service to communities. Um, and it's it's so critical what you're saying, because, you know, it's, it's not only just about let's offer you our AI solution, but also let's think about what the experience would be like for your citizens. Right. right. In right. terms of what are their needs? How does this actually benefit their day to day life? And where can we, you know, see us creating solutions? So, you know, I love that you all are working that, and it's it's great that we have you leading that work too. <laughs> well, you know, I'm 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 one of many actors. Uh, it is not a Nate Johanna show by by, yeah. by by any means. No, uh, uh, no, do I want it to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we want to make sure that that, that we have. Uh, unique perspectives, subject matter experts uh, uh, that that re represent, you know, certainly important aspects of of the technologies. And you know, I am a a player on the team. I am not the team, uh, nor, like I said, uh, I I, I want to be the team. It, it's very important that uh, you know you bring in a unique group of humans to tackle a unique problem, um, because um, you know not only diversity of thought. I'm sorry, of, 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 of uh, you know, gender and, and race, but it's really important to bring diversity of thought uh, into it because as you could imagine, um, you know, when you have a, a rollout of an application on your device driven by the government, um, you know, in, in the more tech-friendly cities like, you know, Seattle and San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. And people, you know, people are, are saying, oh, uh, you know, I have a bunch of buddies who are saying, when can I download? You know, when can I put on my mobile device? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then you know, I'm certain there's some people in, in you know, everybody in Wisconsin, like now, like, well, like, what is this, right? Uh, uh, and so, you know, it's it's very important that that that, that we have those unique perspectives, people who understand those communities and cultures to uh, to drive success. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense. Okay. Shout out to Nicole says we are using tracing in my work. It is brilliant, loving it. Shout out to you, Nicole. Thank you so much, Mrs. Quants, for tuning in and showing all of your love. We appreciate you. We are grateful for you. Shout out to Raj. He loves Microsoft, especially the good, uh, <laughs> the good food or the good people at Seattle campus. Is what I'm thinking. He's saying, I love uh, well, well, "Well, good man. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some free coffee." Man, Nate, it's been an honor having you on the show. Brother, you know, what would be your powerful takeaway for our guide community, man? And really, given the current context of the world, where we should be pushing things, how, how we should stay hopeful, man? Well, you, you, you know, uh, you know, first, I think I think that, that we can all say that, that you know, we're, we're going through this together. If, if, if we have this phrase that, um, you know, uh, uh, we we are in this together, let's, let's take that seriously, right? Um, because... You know this virus, uh, uh, where we are uh, in in this world, um, it's extremely challenging time, and, and I think that it's really important that that we help out our neighbors. Uh, it's really important that, that that we lift each other up. Mm. You know, the have and have nots uh, during this era that we're living in is is continuing to expand, mm. um, and and that's not good for society. It's actually not good for our economy. It's not good for anything. Uh, it's it's a short term win. 
um, when, and, but it, it's going to certainly have a detrimental impact um, because we all uh, stand on the shoulders of each other. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that from the perspective of uh, during these, these challenging times, uh, you know, there will be a tomorrow, a better tomorrow. Uh, for every storm, there's a light that creates a rainbow. Okay, and, I love that. <laughs> and and, and you, you know, I got my spoken word glasses on. <laughs> uh, but, but what we want to be sure is uh, that, that we all shed light and, and could be rainbows to others. Mm. Um, because uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging time. There's, there's no other way to put it. Uh, so I, I moved to Seattle you know, prior to slightly before the, uh, uh, the, um, the, uh, the shutdown of the world. And, uh, you know, it's given me some time to self-reflect and how can I drive change uh, from the position of power that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, how can I, you know, uh, lean into each other uh, uh, to, to, to drive better results and better thoughts. And so yeah, I hope that the folks take the next few months to take things seriously, to voice their concerns, to vote. Um, you know, I think we have one of the most important elections, certainly uh, uh, in, in our lifetime coming up. And so... Hopefully uh, we can drive change at scale and I can't wait until, you know, uh, uh, we could all, you know, be uh, six inches near each other uh, and and dance away. And and, I'm going to be dancing for like six months straight to make up for the last six months. (laughs) If anyone knows, uh, I I love I love a good song and and I love some good beats. And so, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. But hey, Tim, thank you. Uh, I I would say thank you for, for what you do. Uh, thank you for being an evangelist, evangelist to, to, to communities. Thank you for bringing people from different perspectives onto your podcast. And, uh, and thank you for shedding light to my life. Uh, and I look forward for us to build together. And, uh, you know, I'm only a phone call away. Of course, my brother. Thank you so much, man. It's really been an honor, man. We definitely have to have you and your positivity, man, for a future episode, man. What do you think, brother? Listen, I mean, as <laughs> long as I don't have to hop on a flight, you, you know, I got to answer the right? Uh, my commute to work is right behind me, so like you know, uh, uh, you know, my, my commute to work is about you know, it's right behind you, right, right, right. And so yeah, I, I, the days of oh, I'm stuck in traffic, uh, I don't go too far. Um, but more importantly, uh, of, of course, um, and so you know, we got some work to do, uh, and and and, and uh, it's good to talk to you, Mister Future of Work. Uh, good to talk to you too, brother, man. Talk to you soon, bro. <laughs> Keep on playing some music. Oh, for sure, for sure. We definitely will, man. What you got? What you got? <laughs> hold on, hold on. So no as we get it out, let's go ahead and close it out on a, a new hit called Chances. I don't think it's new by Katandra. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. <laughs> I'm, I'm out here. Cheers.
So make sure you check out the new happy, the new, new happy. body good morning oakland california all right all right all right my next guest man i am so fortunate to actually be able to call her a friend um to be honest with you and she's someone that's been incredibly inspiring for my life my purpose and all of the things that i even do and she is actually going to be sharing a little bit about her movement, The New Happy, which is a movement and community dedicated to changing the way the world thinks about happiness and success. You know, she is someone that lives to help people. She lives to help people redefine happiness for themselves so that they can flourish and make the world a better place. And, you know, Stephanie Harrison is the founder, the CEO, the operator, the everything, the maestro, the chief happiness officer around The New Happy Movement. You know, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. How are Hi. you? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. You know, would love for you to share a little bit about how you're doing, how you're holding up, given, you know, everything going on in the world. I'm doing really well today. I'm so happy to be talking to you and all of these amazing people. I've just been learning about this platform, which is really cool. Um, so nice to <laughs> nice to meet all of you, Alwyn. I see you in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. By the way, for anyone who wants to know what I use to do my live podcast or record or do all of this, it's called Streamyard.com. Streamyard is amazing. They are one of the probably the best platforms for kind of having your own digital studio on air remotely. So, so Stephanie, cool. thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. We'd love for you to share a little bit more about how amazing you are and all of the crazy things you've done before actually building the new happy movement and what actually inspired you to build it and how long it's been in motion. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, so my career has taken a couple of different tracks. I started at Deloitte as a management consultant where I was for three years. And then I spent five years at LinkedIn and then a little over a year at Thrive Global. And now I'm here running the new happy and I've had a number of different roles. I think that one of the really cool things about what I've been able to experience in my career has been, I've been in sales and customer success and consulting and product marketing 
in, um, in product, in curriculum. And then I've also been an instructor at the University of Pennsylvania in positive psychology, where I also got my master's degree during this time. And then that has all brought me to where we are today. You know, so for you, you, so it's funny because we talk about the new happy movement, you and I, um, behind the scenes. As, 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 <laughs> and the thing is, you've been living this movement quite longer than you've actually, you know, that it's been around. You know, what, what fascinated you about the kind of the study around positivity psychology um, since you were in school that, that kind of really transpired in the, in the movement the way we see it now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, if you're going to go out and you know share suggestions about how to live people's lives I think it's super important that you you have tested it on yourself first and make sure that it works um so that's the reason behind that um I mean really it was it came from my own experience so when you know my dream coming out of undergrad at NYU which was to just get a great job and I thought that getting my dream job would make me happy as I'm sure many of us have, you know, tethered our hopes of happiness to some event out there happening that would change our lives and, you know, immediately make us better people and, you know, simultaneously, hopefully, you know, like make us more beautiful and more successful and more popular and all these other these other things we imagine would happen. And, you know, it didn't happen. And it was kind of devastating <laughs> to realize that this thing that I had worked so hard for didn't actually change my life in any meaningful way after, you know, like two to three weeks, the kind of the high had worn off. And so I started trying to figure out, well, if, if we all are like this, if we all throw ourselves out there trying to achieve something, because we think it'll make us happy, and then it doesn't work. So then we go on to the next thing, right? And we choose like the next job or the promotion or, you know, the house, whatever it is, then if that doesn't work, well, what does work? Like, what is the solution here? Because there has to be a better way. And that's what really sparked my journey into studying positive psychology, because it turned out that there is a, a field of science that's all about studying what's good in life and how to amplify the good rather than just fix the problems. In fact, we believe as practitioners that the way to fix the problems is to amplify the good. And mm -hmm. then, um, you know, when I was at Penn, I ended up writing my thesis on this idea of the new happy, what it is, why we need it, why old happy is, which is what I describe as this external gratification-based happiness that's just so present in our Western industrialized societies, what, what is a better way? And then um, that's what's kind of brought me here to this point. Yeah. And, you know, one, one of the things I, I love so much is that you, within your research and a lot of things that you share in your internal newsletter and with our community and movement, the new happy, is how that there is this very traditional construct of happiness. And then there's this new construct that people can design for themselves and adhere by and live by that is so much better than what everyone calls happiness in society. And I want you to dive deep a little bit on kind of this whole notion of the traditional understanding of happiness, right? Being that it's a matter of external gratification, what do people expect of you? All of these external things that validate and people associate with happiness, as well as kind of like this new definition of happiness that I think is so much more powerful. We'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think like one of the reasons why you're my soul friend is because you're also pursuing this, right? Like, and you know, the other thing is that there's so many people out there who are doing who are already living this form of happiness, right? Like, this isn't something that's new. I'm just trying to name it so that we can find each other and yeah. make the world better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's so many people out there who are already doing this. So, so if you're watching, this this might apply to you. 
Um, so really what new happy is all about is instead of asking ourselves like what would make me and only me happy, like what do I want? It's what would lead to the greatest happiness for all beings. And mm. I'm a part of all beings. Like that is a part, I'm part of that because I'm a part of this global community. So it's it's actually shifting our lens to think about, well, you know, the the way that we find happiness is by going within and figuring out what our unique gifts are. Like what are the things that bring you alive, that that make you feel great, that you feel like you're kind of put on this earth to do. We all have those things inside of us. How do we take them from within and share them with the world to make the world a better place? Because yeah. When we do that, when we both self-actualize and when we self-transcend, which is what that process is, we are living our peak expression of, of our humanity. We are, we are improving both ourselves and the world at the exact same time. So it's this like this built-in miracle that we have. And all of the science shows that this is the way to find lasting happiness that isn't dependent on, you know, whether... Uh, you get the job you want or what the conditions of the world are or how long this pandemic goes on. Like whatever it is that's out there that's creating stress and challenges in our lives, we can actually experience sustainable and lasting happiness that allows us to thrive throughout whatever it is that comes up. And it, it's so powerful because it's it's so for me and whenever I listen to you talk about it as well as read you share it <laughs> read what you share it's like it's so fundamentally simple and i think there's this chasm that people struggle to cross mm. in that intrinsic definition as well as versus the extrinsic day-to-day -day battles that you have to struggle with and how other people want you to define your happiness you know i want you to speak a little bit about you know what decision making framework can people even create within their lives mm help them define what their new happy should be or can help help them you know in their day-to-day -day workflow that is such a great question i think what i have you know developed for myself and now we're using within our community is first is really asking that question is at a macro level what is it that will bring the greatest happiness to all you know is and you know one really good example of that right now when we're all facing so much stress and challenges is thinking about how we take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So like asking yourself is, is the way that I can pursue the greatest happiness for all, am I doing what I need for myself to do that? Because you need to be able to take care of yourself in order to be at your best. And so sometimes pursuing the greatest happiness for all is, you know, calling it a day and reading a book and disconnecting because that's exactly what you need to feel good right now. And sometimes the greatest happiness for all is pushing yourself to face a crisis and to do something about it, like calling your representatives to ask for them to take action against some challenges. So, you know, there's there's all of these these nuances. And I think really like living a good life is the constant pursuit of finding the balance between focusing on yourself and focusing on others. Mm. And so I often counsel people to think about where have I been over investing lately? Mm. Have I been really focusing on my needs and my wants and neglecting others? Or have I been doing the opposite? And maybe I need to to fill my own tank first in that way. So that that kind of balance, I think, is is incredibly important for bringing this from a philosophy into, you know, a daily living practice that you can that's that's applicable and understandable.
Yeah, because, you know, and the way you often describe it, it's very push and pull. Mm-hmm. And you kind of having that, creating that happy balance, mm-hmm. right, and that harmony. I love that. I mean, that's such a great tagline. Maybe, maybe we can start <laughs> using it. <laughs> I mean, I think like, you know, one, one thing that we've, we've been thinking a lot about here is, you know, the other, the other bit about new happy that I think is really important is, you know, I really think like self-help is taking us down the totally wrong path. Like focusing, people don't change on their own. People change in community. They change supported by others who are, who are cheering them on, who are pushing them to be their best, who are asking them to rise to the challenge, who are supporting them. You know, we need we need community change and we need to focus on building our strengths up together as a community and supporting one another and having these um, these these experiences that are not isolated because, you know, most self-help is about focusing on yourself, right? It's about sitting alone and focusing on you and what you want. And that's the exact problem. That's what's leading us down the wrong path. It's leading us more towards the thing we are already over-focused on, which is ourselves. And so, you know, the other the other really quick thing that I often tell people to live a new happy life is just like, go find somebody to help right now. Somebody in your family, one of your friends, offer some proactive support, even in your neighborhood. And all of a sudden you're, you're, um, you're making a difference. Like that's all any of us really need to do. Hmm. And, and you know, I, I love that. That's uh, one. Of, that's one of the things that you recommend because I think self centeredness mm-hmm. is kind of the, the, and then it, it goes down to kind of having an ego trip, right? It's one of the reasons why people often fail to create happiness mm-hmm. or really move out from that traditional shell of, of understanding what they feel happiness should be, because we're often too stuck in our own entropy. Mm. And if you just quick, think, quickly think about, okay, who do I want to serve? Who else should I talk with? Who needs me right now? Yeah. Just like literally within this second, you start to think about, wow, like there's so many other people or so many other things I can be doing to be creating happiness for others, which will beget happiness for me. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, there's so much research behind this and it's just it's so i mean you look at the data and people who are self-centered who have large strong egos they are vulnerable to external circumstances so if somebody who has a big ego you know gets um gets a bad email from his boss that's going to affect him more because his self identity and his well-being is connected to what other people think about him and doing good in the world and being successful in this way that he's determined. So when you're when you're self-centered or self-focused, you're putting you're putting your happiness in other people's hands. You're you are not like owning that in the way that you can versus somebody who has a quieter ego or who is more focused on others is more likely to be able to brush that off. Hmm. You know, people who people who volunteer, people who are altruistic, people who are more forgiving and empathetic, they live longer than people who don't. Um, you know, they have they have less incidences of major diseases and illnesses. It's just- it's more water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's so yeah. much, um, there's so much to support this, this concept. And as you said, it's such a simple, obvious idea. So I, um, it's it's now it's like how do we how do we apply it, which is always the hard part of the behavior change element. 
Yeah, no, that's so powerful. Love that so much, Stephanie. You know, I would love for for us to shift and talk a little bit more about some of the books that have really inspired a lot of your thinking um, that we can share with our community. And then also would love for you to share a little bit about, you know, who have been some of the leaders that have influenced how you lead and are building this movement and community in the new happy. I love that. Um, I would say that some some great books to start with for anyone who's interested. Um, I would highly recommend um, if you're if you're interested in positive psychology. My professor, Dr. Martin Seligman, was the founder of the field. He wrote a great book called Flourish, which gives a great outline of that. And another book for those of you who might be having a really hard time right now, which I know is pretty much all of us. Um, he wrote a great book called What You Can Control and What You Can't, and it helps to break down. Um, some of the mechanisms that are that are really important around our mental health right now, especially in uncontrollable situations and challenges. Um, another amazing book about positive psychology is The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. Again, a really good summary of, um, of a lot of the research. In terms of books that are a little bit more um, like tangential, I'm really inspired by by fiction, by poetry, by by other people's stories and biographies, because I think that looking looking outside of your subject area can lead to really interesting insights that can't germinate otherwise. And I'm always looking for you know these um, these connection points with with this big idea of new happiness. And so I'm always um, I'm really love the poetry of Rumi and Hafiz and David White and John O'Donohue. Um, you know those are. Those are some some really beautiful things that have really inspired me. Mm, powerful, definitely check those out, y'all. Um, Rumi, David, David, who? David White. David White. Yeah. Rumi and David White. I definitely have written that down, <laughs> taking that mental note. No, because it's so true. The the people who you often are inspired by or really help you create new ideas or people who are totally beyond your discipline, you know, and, you know, we'd also love to ask you, you know, with the movement that you're building, you know, you're a community leader by heart, you know, what has been kind of the the most joyful part of really growing the new happy community from the ground up, you know, and I've, I've told our listeners in our community that I'm a member, by the way, y'all, if you haven't signed up for the new happy newsletter, if you aren't a part of their fan club, fan club which is our fan club definitely join the new happy it's one of the best movements out there right now and literally every week stephanie shares newsletter uh, 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 i i believe it's every new every week now actually yeah mm-hmm. every week she shares actually a literally deep newsletter on a different perspective of how you can find your new happy and she's always looking at it from either positive psychology contextually what's going on in the world it's super, super, super amazing and well thought out. And I think she's working on a book. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But you know, for you, what has been like the greatest joy in terms of some of the things you've been hearing back from community members on how the community has really helped them? Yeah, I think that you know, anytime I hear from somebody that something has helped, it's it's just it you know doesn't just make my day. It just it you know like just the seeing results or hearing about results is so meaningful and it makes such a big difference. Um, you know, and I, I think that for me, some of the, um, some of the most meaningful feedback that I've received is from people who are going through real challenges in their lives and find, find, um, find the resilience and the, um, the sustenance that they need to get through these times with this philosophy. Um, you know, the, 
the this idea was developed when you know this i mean this idea has been around for tens of thousands of years i'm just i'm just taking it and renaming it and trying to modernize it but the the real power in it i think comes because it's something that can help you through through really hard times and so for me um you know i have applied these learnings as well over the last 3 years when i've been going through really really hard times in my own life and the um when when people share that they are able to do the same it's it's really meaningful and fulfilling because there is so much pain and suffering out in the world and i i believe that um there are things we can do to help in those moments and so i'm i get i just feel really grateful when that happens as well as when people are um you know when they when they're using some of this knowledge to to direct the decisions they make to decide what type of job they take or where they move or whatever it is that's that's top of mind and personally important for them love that love that you know stephanie what is one powerful takeaway that you have for our amazing community and and before you add to that you know want to show love to elwin come on now a bad email from your boss we've all gotten it before oh my god that really does kill your day it kills your mood but don't let that define you <laughs> don't let that define you as stephanie has said because happiness comes from within regardless and also life is too short to be worried about a bad email from your boss or some the small mistakes that happen in business you know live this life to the fullest and truly even given everything that's going on i think we can all speak to that um, you know, when you have things such as COVID-19 happening, um, it's like it's a very stark reminder of what really matters. Right. And really what matters is family, your wellness, you being able to be a service to your community and the day to day of business is going to be around no matter what. So shout out to Elwood for that comment. Doreen is saying, Mrs. Childs, Ruby is nice. I, I love your photo, Mrs. Childs. Hip, you look you look awesome. You look hot. You look hot. Shout out to you, Mrs. Charles. Thank you so much for tuning in. Rumi is nice. Yeah, yeah, Rumi is nice. So check out, go check out one of uh, one of Rumi's books, please. You know, Stephanie, what's your one powerful takeaway for our amazing God community? And how can we support you in the movement that you're leading with the new happy? Oh, um, well, I think, you know, in terms of support, I'm just I'm just grateful to to chat with all of you. And if this is something that's of interest or resonates, um, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn or, um, you know, you can find us at thenewhappy.com as well. Um, but I would say the takeaway is um, I know that this community is really, really passionate about learning and growing and developing themselves. And that is such a powerful pathway to well-being. So one of our new happy tenants is to pursue mastery goals. So instead of pursuing goals around, you know, achieving something or getting something, those external gratifications, pursue something to master, you know, a skill or a, um, a competency or a strength, whatever that is. And I think that, um, you know, keep, keep doing that. That's amazing. What you're, what you're doing is a strong, strong pathway to greater well-being and fulfillment. Um, and I love so much that the guide community is all about that. It's, it's incredible. And I would say that um, my one takeaway to build on that would be find ways to then use that skill to benefit others. And I think probably knowing Tim Yu and everyone else in your community, I think that's probably already, you know, such a part of the DNA, but just another thing to keep in mind as you're, um, as you're, as you're growing as a person, how do you share that and then bring others up along with you as well? Yeah. I love that. I love that. You gotta, you gotta serve. You gotta yeah. serve. 
Stephanie, so powerful. Thank you so much for Thank your you. melancholy energy and bringing your vibes as well as your movement on the show with us today. You know, where can people find you and the New Happy Movement? Um, you can find us at thenewhappy.com or on Instagram at newhappyco.co. Newhappy.com, y'all. And definitely check out the Instagram. They have been coming out with great content recently. And Stephanie is always actually looking to uplift and elevate members of the community. Yes. They actually have weekly office hours. Yeah, or monthly office hours. And also, um, one other thing is that if it's of interest to anyone, we we profile people who are doing doing what I described, living a new happy life in some way. And we do these hero profiles, of which Tim has done one. And I'm working on a ton more now. So if you would like to be one of those, just send me an email at stephanie at thenewhappy.com and would love to chat more and learn a little bit about you. Shout out to the new happy. Stephanie, it was truly a pleasure having you Thank on. Thank you for having me. It was such you a gotta joy. Come back. You're going to come back, right? Anytime. <laughs> and thank you all so much for listening. I so appreciate it and look forward to hopefully connecting with you. Love it. Love it. Love it. With that said, we are going to, you know, let Stephanie out on a nice little slow jam by <laughs> herself. Get comfortable. Yeah. Cause I feel so comfortable with you. You made me comfortable with you. I feel so comfortable with you. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another live episode of Guide B2B Jam Session. We had two lovely guests on today. Shout out to my man, Nate Johannes, as well as lovely, lovely soul sister and friend, Stephanie Harrison. Please check out their movement and all the amazing things that they're doing with Microsoft and the new happy movement. And more importantly, definitely check out our guideapp.co beta. We are gradually rolling out day to day and it's been amazing. We actually have had amazing customer testimonials already from some of our amazing community members and leaders who are leading this movement with us and who are who are building the future and who are loving what we're building and what we're leading with guide. You know, as always, we are better together. As always, we are stronger together. And more importantly, you know, make sure you're taking care of you, your loved ones, your family, this lovely, lovely Tuesday. And please check out Tiana Taylor's latest single, Gonna Love Me. It's jamming, and I'm going to make sure that you all are going to be able to rock out with it as well. And one more thing, if you are interested in being on a future episode of the Guy Live B2B Jam Session, please, 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 please reach out to me. Definitely, definitely, definitely reach out to me. We actually go live every single weekday. And more importantly, we're always looking for amazing community members within our community who want to use our platform to lead the movements that they're leading. All right. And speak it to the world. And if you have ideas on maybe someone I should have for a future episode, please let me know as well. Would love, 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 love your ideas or recommendations on guests. So if you also are interested on sponsoring as well, please let us know. We are super, super open to having sponsors on our Guy Live B2B Jam Session weekday show. All right, y'all. With that said, man, as always, peace, love, and abundance. And I won't leave y'all cold. I'm going to let you all jam out to this lovely, lovely Tiana Taylor. 
All right, y'all. Talk soon. Peace.